Sentire Media. Ciao a tutti and welcome to Venice Talks, a podcast series about Venice in Italy. My name is Monica Cesarato and I am a Venetian food and travel blogger. I'm going to put my insider knowledge at your disposal to help you discover Venice at 360 degrees. Each week I will be chatting to the people who really matter, the Venetian. So follow me on the discovery of his artisans, writers, fashion designers, artists, glassmakers, bloggers and much, much more. Come to visit Venice the right and sustainable way. You can find me on my blog www.monicacesarato.com and also on all social media. Enjoy the episode! Welcome to Venice Talks, episode number three. Welcome back to Venice Talks. Uh, I hope uh, you're very, very numerous people listening today. And today I'm talking to somebody very special. I'm talking to Luisa La Romeo, one of the most famous uh, uh, guides uh, of Venice, very, very accomplished blogger and a great uh, boat uh, uh, rider. Or how would you say? How would you say, Luisella? Ciao, carissima. Boat rider? What, what do you call somebody that goes on a boat like you? Ciao Monica, ciao everyone. I would say I both row and I love sailing. So I don't know Six. if uh, yeah, yeah. this sailor. helps understand uh, it was a what sailor, I do. Sailor, sailor I wanted to say hi. So first of all, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Back to work. Okay. As you imagine, September with a nicer temperature mm-hmm. is the right time to come to Venice. And so we have a lot of people visiting. Uh, the film festival has just uh, started. Then we have the glass week. Uh, we'll have a lot of events. So I'm sure that we will have a lot to do in September. Okay, so you're back at work. So I'm very happy because you organize both uh, tours of Venice. And uh, during the pandemic, you were the first one in Venice to actually organize also virtual tour. But I'm pretty sure you're happy to be back in real life. Um, I'm doing virtual tours still. Actually, oh, last okay. week uh, I was involved with uh, a community of um, mainly U.S. residents, uh, all belonging to some Jewish community or so. I think I had over 500 people listening. Online? Oh my God! <laughs> I didn't realize you did such big numbers. Okay, let's when talk about When people ask me what is the largest group you've ever led, then uh, yeah. You can say 500. (laughs) Over 500. Okay, so let's talk about this. You started this during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you come up with the idea? So uh, the very first, uh, you may remember, were online webinars. Mm -hmm. So you would... uh, you remember what it was like during the first lockdown. We could not leave home. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then uh, let's say the summer was um, almost back to normality. And then uh, during the fall, what happened was that I received a call from a dear, I would call him a client, although it's a 
you know, a word that sometimes I don't like using anyway, somebody that loved my tours in person mm-hmm. and called me from the UK asking me if I could do something similar to what a colleague of mine had been doing in London for a while. And so he explained to me that a lot of art society members in the UK were stuck at home because of age, because of fear, could not leave home. And how about showing them the city they love the most? So the idea was to get technology, which means a new phone, a stabilizer, and to understand how technologically this would work. Mm-hmm. And he helped me with the very first tours. In fact, at that time, I think I had almost 900 people. from all over the UK uh, following uh, my tour of Dorso Duro. Now, I don't like large groups uh, in the sense that, um, you know, interaction is always very nice. Yeah, Yeah, of course. Um, But also virtually. So eventually what we ran uh, were tours for smaller groups. And then you have also exceptions uh, such as uh, the one I just -hmm. just mentioned. But what I loved about the virtual tours was that when uh, the second lockdown started and museums were still closed, then many directors showed interest in having uh, allowing uh, organizing mm-hmm. virtual tours within their premises so i just spent a greatest time ever in my life being alone in the cadoro in the querini stampaglia in wow. the grinani or in libraries being alone with my phone and talking to these people that were interested in learning about venice and this was um, helping museums so they would receive also a ticket uh, a virtual ticket okay i would uh, be allowed to work and the people that were in a way searching for a nicer time during mm-hmm. the sadness uh, of the lockdown were entertained in a way culturally intellectually so this and was a meet i call it win-win who would mm-hmm. lose yeah i assume also it was one way for people to have a, a like a preview of a museum or, or a library or an exhibition or whatever before they were coming back eventually to venice I believe uh, that this is very true, yes. Also, um, we not many knew about a museum or the other, but consider, for instance, visiting a library mm-hmm. where with the phone you can show the detail of the miniature. Yes. So this is something that even if you are there with you can't three do. people, not everybody can see as much. Uh, also because you know, with the phone you can also enlarge it, zoom in. And so this was um, a completely different way. Um, In a way, I wasn't uh, showing what I usually show when Mm -hmm. we do the real tour, because the technology allowed me to show something that was that it's not possible to see when uh, we are in person. So it's parallel. That's why it still goes on. Okay, and this means also that uh, um, he allowed you to do something new in a way for yourself as well, not just for the clients, but to discover new things as well, right? Definitely, because when you run a tour, I mean, licensed tourist guides like myself know that you have to look at the people you're talking to and keeping what you describe behind your shoulders. 
I mean, you can spot good guides from bad guides when uh, they talk to the people giving them shoulders oh, <laughs> as they right. need to see what they describe no? okay of course okay. Yes. of course the voice and also you have to detect if people are enjoying understanding this is something that of course in a virtual tour is completely missing the yeah. um, the feedback yeah. but uh, in uh, real life what we do is to talk to somebody and look at somebody mm. and then i don't know saint mark's church of assad is right behind me Yes. So with the virtual tour, it was exactly the opposite. And sometimes I discover the details. Right. I remember also museum people uh, told me, wow, I had never noticed <laughs> in nice my museum that very detail because all of a sudden we were slow. Mm. Yes. So not just uh, focusing on details, but giving us the time to enjoy. Uh, so not standing and feeling tired because you stand, but sitting comfortably in front of your computer screen and say, wow, look at that reflection, look at that brush stroke, or yeah, look yeah. at uh, that little figurine I had never noticed uh, in this painting. Wow. So it's uh, actually, I think it's, it's um, uh, this digitalized version of a, of a tour should be used much more by the museum, shouldn't it? But unfortunately, in Venice, apart from you and maybe some other guides, there aren't that many opportunities to do this, are there? So we have a lot of museums that said yes. As for guides offering this kind of tour, we have uh, not too many, that's true. Also because it needs some technological ability. Basically, people say, but who's doing the filming? I said, yeah. I do the filming. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you need, uh, I don't, I mean, I'm not a photographer, I'm not a video maker, but I love a photography. And mm. I think that this has helped me understand how to frame yes. uh, the sensitivity in that sense is, um, and then you need it to be really cool because yes. whatever a, a technical, problem occurs you have to solve it that very moment because yes. everything is live yes of course and um and there there's been a lot of uh, different stories but anyway it happened <laughs> oh, come on come on you, just one just one of, 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 no, of the little things that happened i remember i had around 300 people Okay. or maybe 100 people waiting uh, very badly for this tour and Oops. two two minutes to start and I talk to the organizers I'm saying I'm fine I'm fine and then I see the phone saying low battery oh no way yes <laughs> and it was just that's because a that's a rookie no. mistake <laughs> no no it was not a mistake it was just that the plug had uh -huh. not been properly plugged in Okay. So, um, so I said, mm, okay. So, well, this, <laughs> or the very funny one was when I stepped on some dog's poop. Oh, because <laughs> okay, so and you have to keep calm with my voice. People say it's very nice, and I what a lovely voice. And I felt like, look at this. I mean. <laughs> Hey, because have invented yet the smelly pieces. <laughs> or when uh, I was describing to these people who had financed the restoration of Carlos Carpa's um, ground floor at the Querini Stampalia uh -huh. Foundation. And, you know, Carlos Carpa is a weighing 
wonderful architect, but loved the steps. Yes. So when I entered the, the room, I did not know this. There was a step. <laughs> there was a step. And it was like, tu, 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 tu. <laughs> well, mind the step when you walk free restore then. <laughs> okay, so which uh, museums have, did you manage to do with a virtual tour so far? Oh my God, it's such a long list. Oh, Basically, all okay. the city museums, uh, so the Dodgers Palace, Carezzonico, Capesaro, then the state museum like the Cadoro, the Grimani Palace. The very first one was the Quirini Stampalia Foundation. Um, well, there's a list on my website. Wow. We have a lot of museums that said very happy to cool. do so. Then the Franciscan Library at the San Francesco della Vigna, showing wow. us the ancient corals. Wow. And uh, the very first uh, printed uh, books ever by Aldous Manusius uh, oh, or wow. some Bibles uh, of uh, um, in multilingual. I mean, I really have a, a long list in he my, actually my kind, head. He actually kind of opened a new world to you also, because generally as a guide, you'll end up, uh, may, correct me if I'm wrong, but generally before the lockdown, were you kind of stuck in doing always the same uh, museums and the same tours in yeah, a way? Sure. Um, for instance, the Peggy Guggenheim collection was one of my favorite, but often people were saying, oh, we prefer to see the collection alone. You tell us the story. Now, the Peggy Guggenheim collection was another museum that showed uh, an incredible interest and renewed uh, all their Wi-Fi mm. network. This was also something interesting because museums before the pandemic yeah. actually we're not uh, thinking of how good the connection Needed for phones be. Yeah. would be in their rooms actually they were saying you're not allowed to be on a phone yeah. call so I the remember, wi-fi do you remember what the uh, store uh, uh, no in Luisa, the gift Luisella. shop or the cafeteria Luisella, do you remember when we did live in venice last year no in 2020 no last year and uh, so many of the churches was like a connection was going up and down up and down no. because oh it was terrible <laughs> also because you have lead roofs on top yeah. so yeah. this creates a problem with signal um the Carmini Scuola's Carmini was one more of the places where not many had been and that yeah, was also something that fortunately worked with wi-fi without having them invest on the wi-fi uh -huh. so the uh, this is a moment uh, when I think, see, out of the difficulties, you can always find uh, mm -hmm. a good viewpoint. Uh, and also when people, when somebody said, but how could you offer tours while people were also dying? No, I mean, mm -hmm. it was a moment of great yeah, of uh, sadness, sadness and mourning course. but in the end do we want to wait uh, for the pandemic to be over to enjoy mm -hmm. culture arts and life now yeah, if you course. think of uh, Vivaldi's music which was actually written because you had orphans to take care of or if you think of the paintings by Tintoretto in the Scuola Grande of San Rocco that were painted during also the bubonic plague and right after I mean 
in uh, history, we cannot wait for culture to be back uh, because culture is the response exactly while you are in difficulties. Absolutely. And some of the greatest works of art were born during the worst periods in humanity's life, you know. Exactly. Let's see what happens uh, after the pandemic, what we leave uh, to future generations. Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So um, between a virtual tour and a a real-life tour, which one do you prefer now? Um, There's absolutely... It's like asking uh, which Which child uh, do you prefer? (laughs) eh? So... No, it's really um, a completely, I, I, I must say, um, I really like both. Clearly, when you have people in person, mm-hmm. it's um, emotionally different, but it's not less involving. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it feels strange, mm-hmm. even if I don't see the people I'm talking to, but I feel them. And then you, you, uh, they do, you have a me- connection, don't you? see that i definitely think uh, that people are in connection even when they don't see each other i mean otherwise you would not call your mom <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, of course. phones or um, we are uh, communication animals yes so whatever we use uh, we communicate now you know that i also run tours for people with disabilities i, anyway, want we to, are I was coming to that i was going to come to yeah. that exactly. i mean we are all disabled in yes. one way or the other and we know that what we needed to do is to just find a different language and then uh, and then the sparkle uh, the spark happens to to start Let's talk about this uh, tour for disabled people. You were absolutely, I'm pretty 100% sure you were the first one, right? To think no, of. No? no? Okay, but you're the no. best one. But you definitely are the best <laughs> no, one. No, well, no. you are my best one, okay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk about this. How did you get into this uh, kind of tools? So disability is a word which... Um, you know, means a lot of different approaches. So during uh, the pandemic, a group of uh, colleagues of mine uh, had the idea to connect uh, to an association of um, people with with visually impaired impaired and blind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, that was uh, something uh, completely new. And um, I remember... Uh, it wasn't so much during the course we took to learn. It was just um, looking at the internet. And then I saw a lady that said, how would you explain this painting to somebody which who cannot see it? Exactly. So, I mean, imagine just uh, the Virgin Mary with a baby by Bellini. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it that you would communicate that helps people understand why this painting with a woman and a baby in her arms is different from a Titian with the Virgin Mary and the baby. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so uh, these were uh, questions, questions that made me understand uh, that whatever I had done before with blind people was not enough. Mm-hmm. And um, on the other side, uh, I had uh, a feeling. Uh, 
that the the best approach would be also just like uh, any other visitor to understand the uniqueness of Venice. So um, while it's true that I will be happy to lead the tours in St. Mark's Church or in the Doge's Palace, any museum, then I must say that when I came up with um, some experience tours, so rowing, uh, chocolate tasting, mm -hmm. mask making, marionettes, uh, then it would be different because then you would uh, experience Venice uh, in, uh, in a more direct way. And especially, I would say, you would learn about its traditions, mm -hmm. so water and uh, history. Um, so I said, why don't we take people rowing? <laughs> Mm -hmm. even if they don't see yeah they can then feel they will certainly feel yeah. understand what an oar is like what of a lock is like and and it was amazing when uh, um i actually was um, in bed with covid <laughs> when i received a call from the television uh, rai and the journalist said uh, we would like to arrange a program to show what you what you do and said of course i'm happy maybe in two weeks <laughs> <laughs> once again out of this yes i, I anyway. hope it was a, i hope you had covid but not bad like i did because i did really bad i just hope it wasn't bad mm, no i had a very high fever but anyway it didn't last too long the thing okay. is that when we did it it was one of the most amazing uh, days i had ever in my in my life and um these people that you know were let's say guinea pigs in a mm -hmm. way because you know he had the tv program and they were uh, trying uh, again and again it was funny because when um, i talked to one of them i told them i told her we would uh, do rowing but she understood that we would go on a boat right well, yeah said, because no, they no, don't no. know they don't know the rowing in venice is done standing up of course no 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 they did but they they thought uh, that somebody else would do it oh said, no, no 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 you, you have are going to do it what yes what? of course so let's do it so they were all excited I and uh, i was excited also to see how it would uh, work with them of course and um, one of the questions was are we already moving okay. uh, because it was so silent and so beautiful and they felt the water and so they touched the water outside of the boat and could feel that it was moving and and then it was just um you know um the wind the, the sound yeah the, because for, for blind people tactile is so important isn't it so I, yes. I i think an experience like that one where you get to use all the other senses uh, mm -hmm. the smell touch the hearing movement, hearing must be and also because i assume you went out in the lagoon so uh in the canals of yeah. canareggio we went okay. around and they so they could understand when a boat was approaching yes um so no no it was um absolutely gorgeous yeah. i would say did, did you try to row with your eye closed um well not really because i was happy <laughs> <laughs> okay right <laughs> okay now for you might have other boats but <laughs> now for you might have tried just to get a feeling of what they were feeling that's all 
that, that uh, but that's be. not so easy i mean uh, when when you are blind yeah, you have grown into some uh, different uh, yeah. experiences so it's not just closing the eye for a minute that helps them helps yeah. you understand what uh, you would feel if you were blind um but yes i understand what you mean i i would say that they understood that it's a very much like a, a yoga or yeah. a pilates uh, yeah. so this um for the visually impaired you organize this uh, rowing and what uh, what other type of tool do you organize so the rowing one is um much more complicated uh, tour mm. because we visit also a museum where we have a lot of objects regarding mm -hmm. the boats uh, and then we visit also a place where they make oars mm -hmm. and the rowlocks uh, so you know what it means also from the smell no, point of yes, view you of can feel the perfume of timber and and that's the dedicated to the, <laughs> the smell the of varnish and then the, the and also the the, the humidity yeah, and the shape of the boat anyway and then we have another one dedicated to the history of carnival uh -huh. so that's uh, where we get involved into the mask making mm -hmm. and then the way chocolate was experienced in the 1700s yeah i think that and one probably is the most liked by everybody isn't it <laughs> see see definitely uh, you you, you have in, in our group we had a person who before the uh, before becoming blind mm -hmm. was an expert in also in wine oh so he, the, he must have loved it uh, see, uh, that was really important because he could tell i can feel i can taste the cinnamon i can taste the ginger i yeah, can understand how it works in my mouth and every as you know the chocolate tasting is not just drink chocolate and then let's leave yeah, but yeah. it's learning how to appreciate chocolate in all its versatility mm -hmm. so for somebody that is focusing on how you taste Yes. It was absolutely some amazing experience. And then the marionettes. Uh, uh -huh. So it's a very, as I said, um, meeting people, touching, mm -hmm. tasting, smelling. Uh, it's a um, very strong experience. Yeah, yeah. But um, for disability, do you do only just for visually impaired and blind or do you do also disabled people as in walking disabled? If so, so how uh, hard is in Venice? Because you know we've all the bridges and so on. See, so the the, the, the I'm one, saying because the... I'm saying because right now I'm on crutches, so I know how hard <laughs> it is. <laughs> so well, the best would be to be on a wheelchair because when you are on a wheelchair in in Venice, you can go anywhere. Okay, because uh, you so... up on on and off of a water bus, you mean by doing it that way? So I mean, this was something that um, it let's say my proposal for tours for people that have difficulty in walking mm -hmm. was already many years ago mm -hmm. and I remember how wonderful it was to move around Venice thinking where there are no steps and where I can use the water bus instead mm -hmm. and so um, that's what I work uh, on uh, with several travel agents Mm -hmm. who especially in um, the in the Netherlands but working with uh, US uh, and also with German 
clients uh, mm-hmm. who need a, a special tour for people on a wheelchair. So I, I do a lot of tours in that sense. And um, museums, uh, not all of them are ready, but mm-hmm. uh, quite a few are. So you can really visit much more than you think, mm-hmm. much more than you think. But it needs to be done with a guide because I realize I see, um, as what, that's what I try to explain to people, I see so many people uh, with disability coming over and all of a sudden uh, they don't know what to do, how to go around. By relying mm. on somebody like you, the asshole of having to create the perfect itinerary where they don't have, they can really enjoy what they're doing and they don't have to worry about how they're doing it, it's on mm. you. Uh, and that's why they should organize it with a professional guide, right? Or find uh, online uh, um, updated maps that mm-hmm. show exactly what itinerary, I mean, mm. where you have to turn. Mm-hmm. Uh, which uh, narrow street you have to take mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, otherwise uh, how you to avoid will, uh, find bridge. yourself how to avoid all of a bridges. sudden a bridge in front of you and what exactly. do you do next exactly so exactly. I, I, there are many travel uh, i mean tour operators arranging mm-hmm. and then of course they rely on local guides of course of course so that's the best uh, the be- that's the best way mm. Okay, now let's talk another thing that you do that I know you're very passionate about, and it is the Jewish ghetto. I know mm-hmm. that you have a, a particular passion for this. Am I right? Well, yes, it's true. It grew throughout the years, uh, and um, I have not stopped learning about it yet. So <laughs> that's always something to add. And recently, um, as you may know, I've uh, started a collaboration with the Germany mm-hmm. pavilion at the Biennale. Mm-hmm. Um, and more research uh, was done regarding uh, what happened uh, during the fascism time mm. regime. But it's not something that is talked about much, isn't it? I mean, I know maybe because it's so near to, you know, to the events, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I found online or even on books and stuff, a lot, a lot, let's say, I found material about the ghetto in the, you know, when, when it was created mm-hmm. and through the years, but about the actual, the period during the Second World War, mm, not so much so. So uh, it's mm. nice that you're doing these kind of things because you bring into light a period that maybe was, uh, you know, for a mm-hmm, while uh, mm-hmm, kept uh, mm-hmm. under the carpet. Well, um... I would say, well, yes, it it depends if you're Italian, if you're German, if you are coming from different countries. It depends on, uh, first of all, uh, schools uh, programs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, during when I went to, um, I remember, to middle school, Mm -hmm. uh, my teacher said well i'm sure that you will study roman history when you go to university or high school so we'll uh, do more regarding the the present time when i went to high school they said well we are sure you studied roman history when you went to middle school or when you go to university so we will skip roman history now uh, this was um a different school as you can imagine it was a 
uh, liceo sperimentale, and that's mm -hmm. where I went. And so, believe it or not, we dedicated two years of our five-year high school program to what happened right after World War I, okay. ending with the 1970s. Mm? Oh, okay. Okay. So, very, um, very, left, ve I got to say, Luisella, very strange, because usually... The they present. end with First World War. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or just about you do the second, but you kind of do it very quickly. And then quickly. Yeah. Yes. And then goodbye. Good. So this left me with uh, an idea. And the idea is that maybe for sure Roman history is important. But when uh, you leave high school, you are a person going to vote. Mm. So your uh, political uh, ideas uh, are maybe not exactly too precise. And when uh, you instead read and talk about uh, the recent years, I think then your political ideas start getting a shape, start uh, understanding what's um, before what you leave that very, that very moment. If schools do not offer such a service, what can you do? Mm -hmm. I found the IVESER, the Institute for the Resistance History mm -hmm. in Venice, a very important um, institute for what they do exactly, not just in creating an archive, but also educating yes. students and um, pupils the at also the general the general public they do a lot of events exactly. uh, regarding uh, you know post second world war so it's a uh, very interesting what and also yes and also the resistance and yeah. also what happened uh, in a way just a few years ago mm -hmm. uh, i know it sounds like a longer time but uh, it's uh, for us uh, as if we were talking about what happened in the 80s yeah, right i mean talking about to you because more or less we are the same the same age so the the fact that the Iveser has such an archive and has um, promoted education gave me the idea when uh, uh, the german artist uh, maria eichhorn wrote me asking, I've read some of your blog posts, and I would like to understand better how that period was. Now, Maria Eichhorn is a German artist mm -hmm. born in Bamberg, more or less um, 60 years old. And her idea, as uh, she is the main artist working for the German pavilion, this very Biennale, was that the German pavilion was originally a small pavilion at the time of the 1909 when it was created and during the Nazis at time it was completely changed, mm -hmm. um, made bigger, made larger, become monumental and make everybody when approaching the pavilion feel terribly small, which is part mm -hmm. of the imperialistic and of the Nazi. Course. Activity. Yeah, yeah, so she said, I'm not going to show any of my work uh, inside a Nazi-shaped art center. Okay. So what I will do is to remove from the walls, uh, remove from the ground floor, something like uh, plaster, bricks, so people entering the German pavilion will understand how it developed, a sort of a 
stripping down mm-hmm. a monument to show how Germany changed throughout mm-hmm. the years. At the same time, she said, I need guided tours in the rest of the city to show what happened during those times that contrasted the Nazi uh, presence. Mm-hmm. So the resistance uh, or the deportation or what happened to the Jewish community. And the historian Giulio Bobbo helped Maria Eichhorn come up with such itineraries and I was also asked to lead some of them. So for me, it was, um, where did I find the information? You find information on Second World War on the uh, Ives uh, Mm -hmm. um, website. You find uh, catalogs as we had several exhibitions. One was at the Querini Stampalia Foundation some years ago with documents. And then, of course, you have to look around and also to understand uh, the monuments that you find in, in Venice that tell what happened against the Nazi mm-hmm. occupation and the fascist ideas. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I mean, I need to book this tour because uh, it ah, sounds hurry so up. Easy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> no, for you, question. there will always be room. Oh, also, you, it's Daddy. free of charge. It's oh, free okay. of charge. I get paid by the German. Hey, listen, I, can, I can combine the disable and this tour. <laughs> <laughs> Have a moment. <laughs> well, um, the the thing is that the the fact that it's free of charge sometimes uh, helps people say, "Oh, okay, I will book it," and then they do not come. Oh, oh no! So, okay, let's mm. let's clear this with the people listening. Please, two things. One, when you book a tour, please remember. You're taking a spot from somebody else. The guide is coming out. She might have other things to do that day. So please, if you decide to cancel, unless the world is not falling down or whatever, please let the guide know, first (laughs) of all, okay? And possibly 24 hours in advance. Second, there's a big difference between a free tour and one given by a professional guide like Luisella. I would like to make this clear, right, Luisella? Yeah. Uh, yes. So first of all, I must say that we agreed with the German pavilion organizers that we needed the people to confirm their booking. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's speak 24 in hours I speak before. In ge- I speak in general See, as in well. General, yeah. When people I, uh, book you, please. No, no, no. They, 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 they do understand mm-hmm. most of them. The thing is that when, uh, um, you know, you take away a spot from other people, that's uh, sad. So if you see that the tour is already booked, I mean, I'm talking about this German pavilion yeah, of course. program, then do not hesitate still to write and to wonder if there is any room available mm-hmm. because, because usually there is. You're going to run, you, you, sorry, I'll stop you one second. You're going to run this tour until the end of the Biennale, right? Correct, yes. Is it like once a week, once a day? How, how it's often? It's two times, uh, twice a week. Okay. And uh, on the internet, on the website of the German Pavilion, you find all the dates. Perfect. Some are run by myself and some are run by Giulio Bobbo. Okay. And um, are they in English as well or just in Italian? No, no, they're all in English. Okay, perfect. Actually, okay. there are some in Italian, uh, but last time I or, or, we arranged one thinking, oh, that's for residents. Then we had... Uh, 
everybody come except the residents, <laughs> the Venetians. So probably they did not know. Anyway, it yeah. doesn't matter. It's just that yeah. eventually I led it in English because yeah. most of the people were speaking well, English, English, even okay. if they were German, French, mm-hmm. and um, and German living in Venice. Mm-hmm. As for free tours, uh, what was your question? I, w- I wasn't referring to this that you're giving for free as an exception because no, it's that's something, no, it's, it's something it. different is connected to the Biennale. I was just saying that people should be aware that nothing is life is free. So when somebody book you or other professional tour guide, they're booking your experience of uh, god knows how many years they book in uh, your knowledge that you have acquired by doing all of this research above all in the last few years as you've shown a free tour you don't know who you get so people should be aware it's like uh, you know nothing in life is free isn't it and oh, yes. um, you know and people like you study years and years and years to do the job that you do so uh, I don't feel like adding anything else to okay, what you good. said. I, I agree <laughs> in the sense that um, uh, there are very popular free tours in Venice. You see 30, 40 people. And I wonder what job these people have at home. No? Mm. Uh, what about if uh, somebody comes to them and say, you know, I do exactly what you do, but I do it for free and you tip me. Yeah, I know. I know exactly. That's so how, how can you sense. ever think that the person in front of you is uh, um, professional? Yeah, it cannot be because um, then there is nothing that it's um, you know an intellectual work that of can course. be tipped. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. It's uh, it really also really... there's a problem with uh, I think a tax evasion. Exactly. But, um, you know, technically, when we receive money, it must be recorded. Now, when you instead are there and you receive two euros, five euros, anyway, the yeah. fact that the, the Italian uh, uh, financial army or the police has uh, not stopped this activity is only because uh, there's what we call a loophole legally. Mm. Mm-hmm. So they are not uh, in a way illegal, so they keep going. But yeah. then, you know, it's uh, just um, just think of what you're doing. You are paying a person mm-hmm. with a tip. Okay, two last things. First, uh, is it true I was reading that Venice was the first city in the world to invent the profession of tour guides? Really? You don't know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, of course you do. <laughs> No, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't no, know, I did not know that. No, really? seriously? Oh my God. Yeah, I read it. Yeah. Oh, I only read a little bit. So I need to go into more details. We were the first one. I'm not so sure when, but then, mm. oh, listen, Venice did so many first things. It didn't mm. surprise me, to be honest. I would have thought you knew that. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> ah, Luzella doesn't imagine, know you then. <laughs> no, I imagine what it was like. Yeah, I mean, exactly. in 22 years, 23 years, I've been a guide, how much my job has changed. Oh, yeah. And I remember um, talking to somebody that said, you know, many years ago, there was very, there were very few guides. And um, there was one gentleman we all loved that Mm -hmm. entered the Ferrari church where you have this magnificent assumption of the Virgin Mary by Titian. 
And uh, um, by the way, on the 4th of October, eventually the painting will be uncovered, unveiled after years of restoration. So we're all crazy about this very moment when finally we'll see Titian's covers uh -huh. back uh, to their original vibrancy. Anyway, this guide came and had the people sit down in front of the altar and he said, turning to them, this is by Titian, the Assumption of the Virgin Mary. Turned to them, put a finger over the, over the lips and said, shh. And that's it. And that's it. But what he did was yes. all of a sudden to create the magic. Of course. Of and course. people started watching. Of course. And, and of course, uh, we would never <laughs> get paid. Be, this is Titian, <laughs> the assumption of Virgin Mary. Yeah, of course. But uh, wow. Uh, so you see, uh, being a guide is mm, being a tour guide does not mean that what we did uh, twenty years ago is what we do today. Mm -hmm. Now we have also people that offer tours to see the most Instagrammable places. spots yeah, in course. the city. Um, would you say it's crazy? No, it's not. It's I mean, it's life. We are not as we were when we were children. Everything changes. Of course. What I find course. it's very important is that people do remember when they go back home what they saw. Of course. One last thing we were saying before you roll and you sell. Uh -huh. Literally two <laughs> minutes. Let's talk about that because I know it's something you really, really love. Uh, <laughs> well, um, it's my baby, my boat. Uh -huh. And her name is Coccola. Oh, so that Coccola. means that yes, cattle? Yes, a cutie pie. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a boat which uh, my husband and I um, had really somebody make. Uh, build uh, oh, okay. and um, I, I, thought you, I thought you restored you didn't realize actually no, no, you actually no, no. built it's it a, wow we had a young uh, very good maestro Dasha uh, building it um, then we started rowing and of course the oars are by a famous oar maker here in Venice the rowlocks everything is ready then we had um, a recycled sail Mm -hmm. and um, and it needed to be repainted so I'm very happy to tell that our sail has been hand painted oh and wow as you may know the tradition that we promote uh, is the vela al terzo okay so Can you it's explain a special about kind yeah. of a sail it's a special mm -hmm. kind of a sail with um a, well, we have also a jib, we have a mast, and the sail has uh, two well long uh, wooden poles, so one on the top and one on the on the bottom. Mm -hmm. And the, what happens is that you don't have, like in any other sailing boat, a button to push, mm -hmm. and everything happens miraculously. Mm -hmm. No, everything is uh, by hand, and, like in the old days. And like you know? in the old days uh -huh. when fishermen were using this technique to draw the fishing nets, uh -huh. to move around the lagoon, taking advantage when there was some wind and uh, you have a big rudder, a huge rudder. As you know, our boats don't have a keel. Mm -hmm. And so they are using uh, the edge 
of mm-hmm. the boat uh, being flat uh, to be sort of a keel. And then you have a huge rudder, which is more or less, uh, in our case, around 30, if not 40 kilos. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And it's um, reaching your waist. Uh, I mean, much higher, actually, much bigger. And uh, you, it's a tilting one, so you can uh, hold it up in case you enter some shallow water. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I started very recently and there are people that were born on a boat. So I really fell in love uh, with this um, experience as mm-hmm. it taught me to appreciate the lagoon with a slow with a slow movement. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we had a great fun last year joining our first regattas because okay. we are Did really you finish crazy. it? Did you finish it? <laughs> okay, <laughs> so next question. question. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I, I remember we were almost ready to start the regatta and we said, okay, maybe we should remove the anchor. Now we were south um, of Venice, uh, north of Chioggia in the most beautiful part of the Southern Lagoon, completely just water. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, but we managed with the anchor to get hooked on a wire. And so when we started pulling this thing, it didn't come up. So it was like two minutes to go, one minute to go, go. And everybody went. And we were like, ah, trying to. And then finally we left like 15 minutes later. Um, Then we had had to cross the oil tankers canal. Mm. And then a huge um, cargo ship with hundreds and thousands of containers arrived and we were like oh okay you go first there's no problem (laughs) go ahead David and Goliath (laughs) yes and then we had uh, another one that was very funny because we finally reached this corner where we had to turn around and it's uh, an island uh, Mm -hmm. completely submerged by water and surrounded by some metal protection and the wind stopped Oh, we were what, so late. What and did you so do? The, the judges called us and said, where are you? Are you lost? <laughs> are you alive? Do we need to sit in a search Actually, party? We were two boats stuck there with no wind. What and the judges, uh, the judges called the other boat first and they said, you know, because you are the last ones. Yeah. And these guys said, well, not really. There's another boat here. <laughs> We so did like, they send yeah. you some did they send you somewhere with a motorboat or something no no we went rowing but oh, anyway okay. it was so funny when they the judges said you will never make it in time to finish this regatta <laughs> and we said well but we are training so don't worry you can go home we will go back rowing <laughs> so Listen. it was they were i mean it was so funny it was absolutely we were I don't know. So get actually, we have a dif- different prizes. You know, yeah. when uh, you you get first, second, yeah. third. Okay, so once we got the prize because we were last. Yeah, and and then uh, <laughs> and then we won a special one called the Gallardon Prize. Okay, you know Gallardon was that crazy French guy mm-hmm. who would fly with. Uh, what would you call it uh, it was not paragliding but basically he was wearing something that helped him fly ah, and okay, like the wings like uh yeah like, yes, yeah, yeah. like, uh, a, like, uh, like a parachute like a but it's on, on yeah it looks like mm, a parachute mm, mm. but uh, it's and, on you yeah 
Yeah, and you remember he died, crashed uh, himself uh, on the floor. So uh, my husband and I got that prize called After Gallardon <laughs> because sometimes we we do something really um, unorthodox yes, in the sailing, yeah. which brings us to dangerous position. But we we just are Menace. learning. Yeah, we are learning. We are learning. So, if somebody wants to row, they can come to Venice, and there are various uh, associations that do this. There is uh, uh, row in Venice, uh, row Venice, sorry, and then there is um, Venice on board, and there are. But if somebody wants to do sailing, uh, can they do that? Well, uh, I also do rowing classes with uh, oh. Venice on board or with row Venice. Okay, uh, and with Venice on board, we also do the sailing. Ah, okay, right. Mm. So if people no, no, to... I mean I would never bring anybody with my Gallardon Prize <laughs> <laughs> experience to tell. Wow, that was an adventure. No, no, la calcola. Right, uh, no. Luisella, <laughs> you offer so many tours. I, I don't think you got space anymore on your website for anything else, have you? <laughs> I mean, your I menu, to... your menu to... on your website must be like way you know so many offers so what actually is your website so my website is uh, cvenice.it so it's yes so cvenice.it and you are on twitter but you're very 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 uh, a frequent user as we will say you're always poor thing yes i thank you always yeah <laughs> i know i know you do uh but are you you're also on instagram are you yes i'm in instagram and facebook okay although slightly less active as uh, the new tiktok version of instagram uh, is not what yeah. appeals to me too I much know, uh, the know, reels they are um really changing and uh, yeah it's not I'm more not about sure if photos, I'm going to use that too much, but I see a lot of people still follow me on Instagram and Facebook, so I will still keep on posting. Yeah, I will put all your information on the website Grazie. at the end of this episode. Luisella, thank it was you a so much. real pleasure. I know it was so, so nice talking to you. I know now your uh, darling husband is making you a nice dinner, you lucky girl. And uh, or are you cooking? Which one is cooking? He's no, no, cooking. He's, he's, he's cooking. cooking. Yeah, he's you cooking. lucky woman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. When's your next regatta, by the way? Um, we are going on in St. Mark's Basin woo, woo, with ferry boats and water buses passing by on September the 11th. Oh, okay. So you're not going to do the historic, are you? No, too much of the rowing is something that I consider as my yoga. Okay. And so it's uh, not to go faster, it's uh, to en enjoy the lagoon. Oh, well, thank you so much, Luisella. I'm pretty sure that uh, I will call you back for some more information in the times to come. Have a great evening. Thank you so much. Thank you, Monica, for all you do. You're really ciao. wonderful. Grazie. Thanks. Ciao, Bella. Ciao, ciao. Ciao, everyone. Ciao. Thank you, Luisella, for the lovely chat. You can find Luisella on her website, www.cvenice.it, and on all, all social media with the handle Luisella underscore Romeo. Thank you again for listening. If you want to book a food tour or a cooking experience with me, you can find me on my blog, www.monicacesarato.com 
or at cookinvenice.com and also on all social medias with the handle at Monica Cesarato and at cookinvenice. Feel free to leave a comment or write to info at monicacesarato.com for more information about the people featuring the podcast or Venice. Bye-bye! Sentire Media Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentiri Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.